What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor, Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copies there. You listen to the Black Men White Coast podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with individuals like you. I am super excited about today's guest. You're going to love this episode. But before I get into that, let me tell you about something else I am super excited about. And that is Rise Up, the story of black men in white coats. We are making a feature length documentary film that is going to be amazing and impact lives for generations to come. I'm talking about this is going to be the thing that kids will say, man, I remember when I was eight years old and I saw that film. Or parents will say, man, I remember when I took my daughter to go watch this film and it just really changed her life or really impacted me and my view on things so I could better help my child. This is going to be it. This is going to be one of those things that just helps to shape the mold of generation, things that people will think of when they get older 20 years from now and say, man, that film is what did it for me. I'm excited to be a part of this. I'm excited to be a part of this. We're calling it the name we have for it right now is Rise Up, the story of black men in white coats. And we're going deep, guys. We're going in depth. We're going to go. We're bringing this out. You know, We're going to tell some great stories, some great struggles and all that stuff we normally think about. But we're also going to be about hope and inspiration and really motivate and encourage the next generation. It's going to be amazing. Right now, we're doing a Kickstarter for the project. Right now, we're doing a Kickstarter. So what that means is we're giving everybody the opportunity to be a part of this film by contributing to this Kickstarter to raise money for the film. Our goal is to raise $100,000 in this Kickstarter, and we're doing great. We're already at almost $60,000 in just a week. So we have about 20 days left to get there to the 100000 and we need everybody's help. We need your help, right? So I need you guys all pitching in if you want to be a part of this film. And what, what you get in exchange is we the way Kickstarter works is it's not, it's not as if you're doing this for tax deduction purposes because that's not happening with this. The Kickstarter platform, the way it works is you contribute first and foremost because you believe in the project. So if you believe that there should be more black men in the field of medicine, contribute. Right, because you believe in the project, you believe in the impact we'll have. But you contribute and get something in exchange. What most people want is your name in the credit. Right. Most people want to give X amount of dollars to their names can be in the credit. And we're doing that for you guys. So you guys can always say you were a part of this film. You can get your name on the web the movie website. You can get your name on IMDB. <laughs> That's crazy. So you can say my name is on IMDB, which is the database in the movie industry, right? So every movie you saw, I went to go watch Spider Man with my um family it was my kid's birthday so we went to go watch spider-man and names are in the credit all those people they're on imdb it means that they contributed to impacts in society via the arts so that's what you'll do you get to contribute to impact in society via the arts not to mention this impact is going to be so big so influential for generations to come in the field of medicine so you get to be a part of that that's pretty awesome. So if you're interested in being a part of something big, something great, something monumental that will be remembered, having this as part of your personal legacy, I'm putting the link down below in the description. So just click on the link and please give. We are very grateful, very happy for everybody who's helping us bring this to life. The other really cool thing to happen that I, I think most of you guys probably saw, but if you didn't, I'll put the link down below also is the Today Show episode. So uh, was it last week? Yeah, last week I was a guest on the Today Show or two weeks, whatever. <laughs> Recently, I was a guest on the Today Show. So it was really cool. Went out there to NBC Studios in New York, Rockefeller Plaza, live from Studio One. That's what they always say, right? And um, was a guest on the Today Show. I took one of my mentees, Mr. Aaron Dotson, out there with me, and we got to talk about black men and white coats. And first of all, I was just humble and honored that they would lend an ear to what we were saying and give us a platform to say that. But, you know, it was really nice and and... I hope it helps get the message out to more people so more people understand what's going on, more people understand what we're working to do, and just to bring awareness to it. So if you guys missed it, definitely, definitely go check out the episode on the Today Show. Click the link below. It'll take you there. All right. Now, back to this episode. Back to this episode. This is a great episode. I was listening to, to this yesterday, and I was just enthralled by it. I mean, it was it's amazing, and I love his story. So this is Dr. Abeyomi Adeyemi, and most people will call him Yomi for short. Man, Yomi's got a great story, and I'm not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> like, I, know, I think sometimes when I'm doing introductions, I tell you guys too much. I'm not going to ruin the story for you because I really want you to listen to it all and pay attention. But the one thing I will say is 
This is a story of an overcomer. The story of an overcomer. Took the MCAT multiple times, applied to medical school multiple times. Still in the grind, still hustling. He's a medical student now. And, you know, I believe in this kid. I think he's going to be successful. He is doing amazing things. Amazing things. Now, the, again, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but one thing I want to highlight that he said, he was an athlete throughout high school. And he talks about one time where his coach had him stand up and his coach acknowledged him and said, guys, and he wasn't, it wasn't like he was just one of those whack athletes. And I don't want to say whack in a bad way, but like an average or whatever athlete. He was a good athlete. He was team captain and everything. So he was a he was a notable good athlete. Coach stands him up and says, guys, Yomi never missed a day of practice. Yomi never missed a day of practice. Think about what that means. The discipline, the determination, the dedication. That's how people become successful in life. And that's what you're going to get throughout all of his story. And that's what I want the kids to hear. And that's what I especially want the parents to hear. Because more often than not, whether or not your kid missed a day of practice has something to do with you as well. Right? So shout out to his parents. Shout out to Yomi. You guys are going to enjoy the story. Check it out. My name is Abayomi Adeyemi. I'm a third year medical student at St. George's University School of Medicine, currently doing my third year at Arrowhead Regional Hospital in Colton, California. I just want to start by thanking Dr. Dale for having me on. I really admire what he's doing with the Black Men in White Coats project. You know, some of the stories that um, I've heard shared uh, on this podcast have been truly inspiring to me. And inspiring in a way that I think is crucial um, for myself and others like myself, other young black men trying to get through this process. Uh, when he first reached out to me, I was a little bit surprised. Um, most of the people who um, who I've listened to on the podcast are accomplished doctors, basically people who uh, have uh, reached a place in life that I am aspiring to reach and whose advice I really, really uh, appreciate for that reason. But I definitely uh, agree with uh, this idea that maybe uh, people closer to uh, to the young folks who are trying to, to get into this process, uh, medical students like myself, might be able to also contribute uh, a, a certain perspective to all this. So I guess I'll start by talking about my background and where I'm from. Um, if my name didn't give it away, uh, I'm a Nigerian-American. Um, my parents immigrated to the United States uh, in the 80s. Um, my father is a Yoruba man. It's from him that I get my name, Adeyemi. Uh, but my mother is an Igbo woman. Uh, they both immigrated to the U.S. Uh, looking to improve their lives um, through better education and uh, the opportunities that they could find in this country. But uh, anyone who's familiar with Nigerian culture will uh, tell you that uh, Yoruba and Igbo is a, a pretty rare pairing. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that uh, the way that they met um, here in the United States uh, is a situation that has uh, always created for me um, a feeling that my family, uh, although our, our culture is, is rooted in, uh, uh, in, in, our culture and values are rooted uh, in Nigeria, uh, our story is a uniquely American one, and I consider my, my story to be a uniquely American one. Um, I'm bi-tribal, and uh, it's definitely uh, formed the basis for uh, how I view my, my culture and heritage. Uh, although I call the West Coast home now, I, uh, I actually grew up on the East Coast. Um, when I was very young, uh, we lived in uh, Pennsylvania uh, in a small town uh, just outside of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, and later on in my childhood, I lived in, uh, in North Carolina. I think you'll see as I go through my story that um, these different places, you know, each played uh, unique roles uh, in influencing my development. Um, I was first inspired uh, towards a career in medicine when I was uh, very young by my mother. She used to tell uh, my siblings and I stories about her father. Um, who had been a field medic in Nigeria uh, during the Biafran Civil War. She told us all kinds of stories um, 
that he had told her about his uh, sort of exploits on the battlefield. But I remember one story in particular um, really struck me. Um, and it was a story that she uh, would tell us about how uh, he ended up treating a soldier uh, from the other side of the conflict. And, you know, the way she told the story to us, you know, she explained that her father thought that, you know, it was his, his duty sort of to, to treat human beings and not just soldiers. And it was his duty to save human life. And because of that, he would treat uh, somebody, whether they were on his side of the conflict or whether they were on the other side. And, you know, that story just, it really struck me. It gave me an impression of medical professionals as really having something and being a part of something that was more than just sort of a job, more than just sort of uh, a career, you know, it was, you know, more like a calling, you know, it's really something profound. Uh, and it was that inspiration um, that I got from my mother that, um, you know, first gave me my, uh, my interest in medicine. Um, in my household growing up, uh, education was something that was uh, considered um, absolutely uh, paramount uh, as far as our focus. Uh, my father is a structural engineer and my mother was a teacher uh, in Nigeria and, and she was a homemaker. Um, so she would always, uh, you know, be, you know, on top of, of us kids, making sure that uh, we were staying on top of, uh, of schooling. Um, early on, uh, I'd say my parents uh, played a, a a pretty, a very positive role in, in, in promoting and encouraging uh, my interest in science. Um, you know, the sorts of things, uh, like, uh, helping to buy a science kit. I remember my, my first science kit when I was young, you know, just pouring different chemicals together and, and seeing what reactions could occur. Usually just trying to get an explosion really, you know, as a youngster later on, uh, in my, in my childhood, uh, uh though, uh, a series of, of circumstances came up that I think um, I sort of describe as, as the first um, sort of set of challenges that, that I experienced um, in my path. Um, my parents, you know, I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, they're from two different tribes in Nigeria. And uh, while, you know, that didn't prevent them from getting together, it certainly was, I think, a strain um, in their in their lives, in their marriage. And, um, and they did end up splitting. And myself and my siblings uh, stayed with my mother. Uh, and we ended up moving. Um, so this was the first big move, you know, when I was still really young. This is, uh, you know, I think the end of elementary school. Uh, I remember moving to, to North Carolina. And at that point in my life, uh, things changed. When I'd been young, uh, my, 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 my father had a business and he was able to sort of get uh, all of us, my, myself and my brother at that time, uh, into really good schools. Um, and so, you know, our education was good and, and our neighborhood was good. And uh, that just wasn't the case, you know, after um, after my parents split up. You know, I, I went from an environment where we were in good schools to an environment where we had really, really uh, terrible schools. Um, <laughs> you know, I still uh, uh, I remember um, the the high school that I ended up uh, I ended up in uh, the my freshman year in that high school. Uh, they sent a letter to all the parents saying that uh, that if the test scores uh, did not increase, that they would actually have to uh, to shut the high school down. The school was uh, was on a probationary status, and depending on the test scores, um, that school actually might have uh, had to shut its doors. So you know that that uh, you know will just give you an idea of of how bad the situation was academically. And so you know at that point in my life. Um, I was in a situation where, uh, although at home there, there was still major promotion, uh, major focus on, you know, make, make sure you do well in school, uh, make sure you stay on top of your academics, you know, the, the actual supporting structure, um, to do well and, and the resources, uh, really just weren't, weren't there anymore. And, you know, I think I, I say that this was the first sort of challenge on, on my road and I, I describe it as a challenge, um, 
because it's it was a circumstance outside of my control that I think was was the first situation where um, I was where my own success was more dependent on my own determination than dependent on the environment uh, that I was in. Um, and, you know, just, just an example of that, you know, I'll recall, uh, that, uh, in my, uh, my junior year of high school, I, uh, I met with, uh, with the, uh, counselor, the high school counselor. Uh, this was, uh, someone who I hadn't, I didn't even know, uh, we had, you know, actually had a high school counselor. Uh, this was our, my first meeting with, uh, with, with her. And, uh, you know, we sat down and, uh, and she says, so, you know, what, uh, what do you want to score on the SAT? And she said, you know, you, you, you depending on, uh, on, on how you, how you do on it, you might be able to get into college. And I remember being, uh, you know, a little surprised, you know, college, uh, was something that, uh, I mean, at home, you know, it was pretty much expected that, you know, you do well in school and, and get yourself into college. But, you know, uh, the expectations at my actual school were, uh, were, you know, quite a bit lower. And, you know, I, I just told her, you know, I, I said, what's the maximum score? You know, it's, it was 2,400 at the time. I said, I'm trying to score a 2,400. And, you know, she looked at me like, you know, I had, uh, I had, uh, antenna, you know, on my head or, or something, you know, she was just, uh, just totally, uh, taken aback by me. And, uh, you know, later on, you know, I, I took the SAT and, and I actually did well, you know, I happened to, to score actually the highest score on the SAT, um, of anyone at, at, at my high school, um. And, and that was, uh, was, was something that I think that was the thing that helped me to get out of, of the situation, uh, that, that I'd been, uh, I'd been placed in, um, uh, doing well on the SAT opened doors for me as far as, uh, as, as colleges and, uh, and scholarships to colleges. Um, and I ended up, uh, you know, getting into, a uh, a college with, uh, with a very good financial aid package. So you know, that was the conclusion, uh, to my high school experience. But mind you, I, I guess I have to go back and sort of, uh, you know, describe my high school experience to really put all that into perspective. So, you know, when I, when I started high school, you know, getting into college was, in my mind, not necessarily something that was tied, uh, exclusively to academics. You know, back when I was in middle school, you know, I actually, I looked up to, you know, my, to a cousin, my cousin who played football, he was, you know, this awesome linebacker. And, uh, you know, by the time I got to high school, you know, I, I was heavily, heavily involved with, uh, with football. And, you know, I just got, extremely, extremely determined to, to just do well. You know, if you would have asked me, you know, my, my freshman or sophomore year, you know, where do I see myself in a few years? I probably would have told you I'd see myself playing uh, collegiate sports. Um, you know, I thought that, uh, just being really, really good on the football field would be something that, that took me far. And, you know, the thing with, with sports, uh, that, you know, really, really appealed to me was, uh, the mentality that it took to train and to win. Um, you know, I just saw sports as a thing where, you know, you show up and you put in the work and you put in the work and eventually, you know, you see the, you reap the results. And, and that really, really appealed to me. You know, I was the sort of person who, uh, I would put in the work. You know, I, I still remember to this day, you know, my, uh, uh, by my senior year, um, you know, by that, by, by that point I'd become captain of the football team, captain of the squad. And, you know, I just remember one day, you know, at, at the end of practice, you know, the coach, you know, a football coach asked me to stand up and, you know, he told everybody, look, you know, this kid has never missed a day of practice ever. And, you know, to me like that, that really meant something. And, you know, I don't know, looking back, whether, you know, it's, it's the, the, the coaching or, you know, whether it's just, you know, this, an, a fundamental aspect of my character, but that determination is, I think one of the, 
the main things that um that I've you know that that have carried through with me um on my path. Now, like I said, you know, football was the thing that was, uh, you know, at the forefront of my mind, you know, as, as far as, uh, as, as getting into college and, and, and how I would do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, that led to, you know, what I would consider the, the next big challenge on my road. You know, my, uh, my, uh, sophomore year, you know, I got, a, I was on the varsity squad and, and training really, really hard. Like I said, never missed, you know, practice. Um, but then, you know, one day I was, uh, I was actually playing basketball. I go up for a layup and all of a sudden I feel my, my knee give out. My right knee gives out. You know, I try to get up, nothing. I just feel, uh, you know, it starts, you know, I, I feel pain and, and it starts to swell up. So I'm like, oh man. So the, uh, the gym coach takes a look at me in the office and, uh, you know, they say, well, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go, uh, going to have to go to the hospital here. And I did. When I get to the hospital, you know, the doctor takes a look at me and, uh, they did, uh, what I now know to be an anterior, uh, and posterior drawer test and, uh, varus and valgus strain tests, uh, basically tests, uh, of the, the ligaments surrounding, uh, my right knee joint. And the doctor says, well, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that we can fix you up. The bad news is that you're going to need surgery and you're never going to play football again. And that was, that was just devastating. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I had the procedure done and while I healed well and actually got, uh, when, when training camp started was back out there <laughs> for training camp, uh, for the next, uh, football season and got back out on the football field. Uh, the truth is that, uh, I was, I was never the same again. Um, you know, I still remember to this day, you know, there was, uh, one day, uh, where we were, uh, we were in the, the, uh, back office looking at, uh, that footage from, uh, from one of our games. And, uh, you know, I saw myself, uh, on, you know, on tape and, you know, I just, I, I noticed, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that, that injury had, had taken, I'd, I'd lost a step. And, uh, you know, even though I'd gotten back onto the football field, which, you know, wasn't supposed to happen, uh, the fact of the matter is that, uh, making it to college through sports was just something that was off the table. So, you know, I, I say all that to put into perspective, you know, where I was at, what space I was at, uh, you know, in, in meeting with, uh, in meeting with my, uh, high school counselor. And, uh, like I said, the, the, the end of the story was, you know, it was triumph was a success, but, um, uh, there was definitely a moment in there where it seemed like that may or may not have been, uh, the outcome. Um, I would say as I went through high school, um, I really developed, uh, a, a, an enduring interest in, in science. Um, I really enjoyed my, uh, my AP biology classes, um, and chemistry class. And, um, uh, after having done so well, uh, on the SAT and, and, and looking toward, uh, toward my future, I, I was really, uh, uh, looking at, uh, you know, how I could, uh, continue to, to pursue an interest in, in, in science. Um, I remember in particular, uh, I read an article um, in the paper, in the newspaper, about how uh, how researchers had discovered uh, amniotic stem cells. Uh, these researchers at uh, the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine um, had really uh, made a breakthrough in science at that time. Uh, amniotic stem cells are a source of stem cells that sort of allows allows you to get around using uh, you know embryonic stem cells, which are much much more controversial. Um, 
And, you know, I remember being really intrigued by that research and, you know, reading all about it. And, um, and actually later on when I was applying to colleges, I, I applied to, to Wake Forest and in my application, uh, I wrote about that, um, about that discovery and, and, and how interesting I thought it was. Uh, I ended up getting accepted to, to several schools. Um, one of which was, was Wake Forest and, uh, my decision, uh, to go to Wake Forest was uh, in large part because of, uh, of, of, of what I'd read uh, going on in that research lab. <laughs> uh, funny enough, uh, by my uh, sophomore year, um, I, I had a, I, I a, a work-study uh, work award, and uh, I ended up getting contacted back by, uh, by a PI uh, from the, uh, the Regenerative Medicine Center, uh, and I ended up working, you know, alongside some of the same researchers who I'd actually, uh, who I'd actually read about, uh, in high school. <laughs> now in college, uh, my idea was to try to reach out for experiences that would give me, uh, the best idea, uh, as to the way that, that I wanted to, to go as far as my career. Uh, in my life. Um, and, uh, for me, that meant that I was really, really involved. Uh, and by involved, I mean, uh, I, uh, I worked as uh, a resident advisor. I also worked as an undergraduate research fellow. Um, in addition, I was volunteering, um, as part of student organizations, um, I served as treasurer for the African and Caribbean Students Organization, and I was the president for uh, for the local MAPS chapter, the Minority Association of uh, Pre Medical Students, uh, which is sort of the uh, the undergrad um, organization that's underneath the SNMA, the Student National Medical Association. Um, it's a group that's basically meant to serve as a pipeline for uh, for minority students to to get into a career in medicine at, at that same time you know i i music was always a sort of a, a a really you know important hobby for me and you know by college i'd learned to play guitar and you know i actually had a band uh in in college as well so i was i was really really active in college and and getting a, a variety of experiences um you know looking back you know i i think it's uh you know it's it's I was pretty, I was pretty, uh, thinly stretched at the time. Um, definitely pretty stretched. Um, but with that said, uh, those, those experiences really helped me to, to flesh out what my interests were, uh, through my involvement in, uh, in research, uh, research science and, uh, opportunities I saw through, uh, through maps, you know, I, I really got a solid idea, um, by the sort of later half of, of college that, um, you know, I, I really had a strong interest in, in research science, but I wasn't necessarily sure whether, uh, the life of a, a PI was, uh, what I wanted for my career. Um, at the same time, I had had this, uh, really strong, um, inspiration toward a career in medicine. Um, but by that point I began to see, um, exactly what it would take, uh, to, get into medical school and pursue uh, a career in medicine. You know, I remember even from my, my freshman year at the first uh, pre-med uh, sort of seminar where they told us, you know, what classes we would need to take and what our schedule should look like. And they also outlined, you know, what uh, the requirements were and, and what the, the typical uh, medical school uh, matriculant looked like. The GPA requirements were high. Uh, and, uh, it would, would take, you know, a lot of hard work and then you had the MCAT. Um, so, you know, at that point I began to really truly understand, um, uh, sort of the, the level of dedication that it would take, um, for me, uh, to follow a path toward medicine. And I had, uh, uh, majored in biology and, uh, double minored in chemistry and philosophy. So, you know, my academic track, um, you know, kept me on, um, uh, on a path toward, uh, fulfilling all, uh, the required pre-med, uh, prerequisites. Um, but it was not easy. And, uh, there were times in college where I, I really, really struggled. You know, there were classes that I barely passed. There were classes that I had to repeat. 
there were prerequisite prerequisite classes that I had to repeat. And, you know, I was putting my all into it. Um, but definitely, definitely it was, it was a struggle. Uh, by the time I got to my senior year, um, I had certainly not made my mind up to go into uh, research science as a career, but, you know, in looking at sort of my, my transcript and, uh, and thinking, you know, about now having to go, th- you know, through the process of studying for the MCAT, you know, I just felt at that point really just, just burned out. And I wanted to just take a step back. And so uh, instead of uh, going straight into preparing for the MCAT and going into an application cycle for, for med school, um, I actually decided to, to take a gap year. <laughs> and now, you know, a, a gap year is sort of the, you know, the, the sort of standard term, you know, for what they call these things. Uh, but for me, you know, what it really was, was, uh, you know, I, I felt completely burned out. And, uh, you know, I remember having a conversation with uh, my friends who had been in, in a band with in college. And uh, all of them were uh, were thinking of moving to New York and, and, and you know, just doing music. And, uh, you know, here I was, you know, thinking, you know, I, I, I know that I want to pursue this path toward medicine and, and, and I want to somehow maybe incorporate research science into, into my, my career. But at that point, I'm just burned out. I need to take a step back. And so I thought, hey, why not? Why not do it? Not, why not go to New York? And, and that's exactly what we did. Um, I went to New York and, uh, and you know, that, that experience looking back now on that experience was, I think the best thing that I could have done, uh, at that moment. You know, what, one thing about me is, uh, is that I'm, I'm a creative person, uh, music, art. These are things that, uh, that I love, um, you know, just as much as I enjoy science. And the one thing I've learned since that time in my life is how to actually incorporate those things. Uh, in New York, you know, we played uh, shows, my band played shows um, on uh, off Broadway uh, in Brooklyn. We had a lot of fun and I met a lot of interesting people. It was also during that time that I actually started um, my uh, first company. Um, I run uh, a lifestyle, culture, and health blog called AfricanDynamo.com. And it was during my time in New York that I first had the idea or was able to act on the idea of of starting it. Um, Basically, uh, throughout, you know, college, I'd, you know, occasionally go online, like, you know, we, we all do and, and find articles about, you know, Nigeria or other uh, African nations. And I mean, I'm sure we're all familiar with this fact, you know, most of the time when you see a story um, dealing with those areas, th- that region, it's probably more of a negative story. And at a certain point, you know, I started thinking, well, you know, either there's only negative stories, you know, in, in this, in, in that area, or, I'm just not reading a lot of the the positive stories, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't even that I'd never see a story that was a good story. It was just that it always seemed to come from particular perspectives. And, uh, you know, I found that a little frustrating, you know, and I always thought, you know, why not just uh, reach out and and see whether stories like that could actually be, be found, you know? And why not do it in a really cool and interesting way? Uh, the idea for African Dynamo was that I would reach out to writers um, in uh, every African nation. Um, the goal was to talk to anyone uh, who could present a, a perspective uh, that was uh, unique and interesting and shed a positive light on things going on in that region. I ended up working with uh, writers in, in Kenya, in, in, in Ethiopia, South Africa, and also writers uh, in, in uh, the, the African diaspora, you know, writers in the Caribbean and people in, uh, in, in other countries as well. And, uh, and that experience, you know, was uh, 
it was an opportunity for me to develop a whole different side uh, of my interests, you know, and just in building the website, you know, I learned so many different things, you know, of course I had to, you know, learn to code, you know, to, to build the site and, uh, and, and learn design. Uh, it just so happens that my brother's a graphic designer and, uh, and, you know, he was able to give me a lot of good advice about how to actually uh, design the site um, so that it was visually uh, appealing. Um, and I've always been a writer uh, as well. And, you know, in bringing all of these things together and working with so many different people, you know, through the, the, the magic of the Internet, you know, I was able to put together this uh, this really interesting and, uh, and, and unique thing. Um, and I still run that website to this day. Uh, AfricanDynamo.com is, is a site that, um, that, that I, I invite uh, lots of different creators to, to work with on, on all sorts of projects. And, uh, and so, you know, I ended up spending a, about a year and a half in New York um, with my band playing music and, and building, uh, building this company uh, based on, on my website. And, and really having a, a really good time. Um, but uh, I think anyone that knows me knows that I, I don't uh, I don't give up on 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 things and and, and I never my I, I never uh, my eye never left the ball. I always kept in mind that my goal was to you know figure out how to either get into medical school or figure out whether research science was was a career that I wanted to to pursue and throughout my time in New York I was looking for ways that I could do that um I ended up uh, finding a, a a graduate program associated with uh with with uh the, the same school I'd gone to to undergrad uh, to college at and uh that the program would uh would allow me to to uh uh, take medical school classes and also do research. Um, and in fact, I'd be able to do research in uh, the same lab that I'd uh, worked in as as, a, as an undergraduate. So it was it was perfect for me. And uh, I saw looking at at sort of the way that 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 uh, the application uh, cycle would break down that. I could actually go ahead and study for the MCAT, uh, take the MCAT and, and, and apply uh, and see whether I had a chance to get in uh, directly into medical school. And, you know, if that worked out great, if not, then I'd have this, this graduate program as sort of uh, as, as an option to, to sort of improve my resume uh, and then and move forward from there. And, uh, and that's exactly what I ended up doing. You know, I, uh, I studied for the MCAT. I studied hard for the MCAT, did as well as I could, and applied. And I applied pretty widely. You know, I think I applied to something like 30 schools. And, uh, you know, I waited, waited, and uh, got no interviews. No, not not even a single interview anywhere. And, you know, I thought, oh, man, okay. I was disappointed, but at least I had the fallback plan. You know, the other option of going into the graduate program. And in that grad program, it was a, a one year's one year master's uh, degree program in biomedical sciences. And as I mentioned earlier, I was taking classes uh, taught by the same exact professors that actually taught the medical students. Um, uh, and so, you know, I really thought that 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 grad program would make would make the difference. Uh, it was uh, during my time in grad school that I I had an experience that that actually really, really helped me to decide what direction I wanted to go in uh, as far as my career. Um, and it happened actually as a, as a consequence of, uh, of um, the research team that I was uh, a part of. Um, on our research team was a, a transplant surgeon, and uh, he actually allowed me to, uh, to observe uh, a kidney transplant procedure. Um, I saw the patient get prepped, um, and I was in the operating theater uh, and watched the entire uh, uh, procedure. And I even saw, you know, uh, the medical students finally close up at the end and, and the, watch the patient get taken off to uh, to the recovery room. 
Um, but it wasn't actually that, that, uh, that, that was the thing for me. Uh, the thing was, uh, actually after we were done with the patient, um, after we were sort of, I was all done for the day. Um, I was, uh, heading out and, you know, at the time I didn't really know my way around, uh, the, uh, surgical wing of the hospital. And, uh, I ended up, uh, walking out through, uh, the area where, uh, where, where families were waiting, um, uh, outside of the, the, the surgical wing. And, uh, you know, I, I had on, uh, you know, my, uh, green surgical scrubs and, uh, and I actually had on, a uh, a, a, a white coat as well, uh, because, uh, one of the doctors, uh, uh, one of the surgeons, uh, also on the team, you know, early in the day had said, you know, why don't you put on this white coat? Uh, so you don't look out of place, you know, while we're, you know, rounding on patients, you know? So, <laughs> so here I am, you know, wearing this, wearing this white coat and, uh, and surgical scrubs, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, I guess looking like a doctor. And I walked out past, uh, where patients were. And, uh, as I was walking, uh, a older black gentleman, was coming out of the waiting area and he sort of walked uh, by me and as we passed each other he kind of stopped and you know he gave me this look and this nod and, you know he didn't he didn't say anything to me but there was something in in just in his look that communicated so much about how he felt seeing me there i could see that you know, to, to this older gentleman, you know, see, just seeing me there, this, this black, you know, for all intents and purposes, this black doctor was a thing of, of pride and, uh, and really, uh, and really a great thing. And, uh, you know, I'd never had an, uh, an interaction like that. Uh, you know, we all know that there aren't that many, uh, uh, black males in medicine. Um, and that's sort of a thing that's, you know, it's easy to say that and look at the numbers, etc. But when you have these interactions, it really kind of puts it, it, it makes it hit home as to what that means uh, for you to be one of the few in that position. And, and that was profound. Uh, and you know, it was that experience that, that, that really made me think, you know what, a career in medicine is, uh, for me going to be something that is, is truly meaningful. And that really appealed to me. And so after that, I was, I was set, you know, in my mind, I was set determined to get into medical school and pursue a career in medicine. And I worked my butt off in graduate school. I got all A's. And by the end of the program, I felt, all right, you know, this is my time. You know, I put in my applications. I applied widely. I think almost 40 schools this time. And, you know, I thought this is, this is it. This is my best chance. I've, you know, I'd improved my, my resume. Um, both through the classes and through my uh, experiences, um, work experiences, volunteer experiences, etc., and put really, really put my best foot forward. And you know, you put in the AMCAS, I, you know, and sit back and wait, and I wait and I wait, and I get nothing. And I wait and I wait. And I start getting rejection letters, you know, one after another, you know, I'm getting these emails. Finally, I get, uh, one interview at the medical school, you know, associated with my grad program. And I thought, okay, well, you know, at least, you know, I have a chance here. You know, at this point I'd been, you know, in, in the, the undergrad, uh, uh, an undergrad in the, in the college I'd been in grad school same institution. You know, I know a bunch of people, a bunch of doctors here. I know, I know everybody. So I got at least a chance here, right? 
And, uh, you know, I go in for the interview. I felt okay about the interview, but not great. <laughs> and looking back, that should have been uh, the first big sign. But afterward, I, uh, I, I, had, I had hope. I had hope that, um, that it would work out for me there. And I finally get an email from the program, and it's a wait list. Uh, that was disappointing. And especially disappointing because as time went on, I saw that everywhere else I applied was just a straight-up rejection. And by the end of uh, this application cycle, I'm looking around like, you know, what am I going to do here? And I'm thinking, well, if I don't get into med school this cycle, you know, I've got to, you know, I've got to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with myself for another year. Um, like most students, you know, I'd been living off student loans and, and so I thought, all right, well, maybe I could, uh, maybe I could, you know, go into, you know, a research lab for a year. And I set up a meeting with, uh, with my, uh, uh, PI, he lets me know that, uh, well, he didn't have funding for, <laughs> to take on a research student, you know, outside of, of being in the grad program and, uh, wouldn't be able to help me with, uh, with, with working in, in a research lab for a year, you know? And I left that meeting like, oh boy, you know, now really, what am I going to do? Uh, I had uh, one last meeting with uh, the program director for my graduate program, and uh, you know she let me know that uh, yeah, there's there there's not really much hope for that year. <laughs> and uh, you know I remember, you know, actually at the end of that meeting, you know, I, I look at my phone and I had an email from uh, from the med school, and it was that final rejection. <laughs> you know, I just remember uh, getting into my car and, you know, I, I just drove and, you know, I drove straight by my apartment and drove actually 30 miles to uh, my mother's apartment in, uh, in the next city. You know, I show up at my mother's place and she invites me in and tells me to sit down. And she asked me, you know, is anything wrong? You know, showing up here kind of unannounced. And, you know, I just broke down. You know, I broke down. And I let her know what happened and what my situation was. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget. She said, you know, sometimes in life, although you shouldn't give up on your goals, in order to reach your goal, it's sometimes necessary to take a different path. And she pointed out that, you know, I'd done everything I could. And I had. But maybe what I needed to do was look at a different path in order to achieve my goal. She made a delicious dinner for uh, for us. I love my mother's cooking. And, uh, you know, I got back in my car and, and, and as I was driving home, you know, I was just thinking, you know, you know, she, she, she's right, you know. When I got home, uh, I gave my dad a call. And uh, I let him know the situation. And um, my father uh, was living in a... Boston, Massachusetts at that time, he suggested, you know, why don't I come up there to Massachusetts and, and you know, try to, you know, figure out how I could uh, re-equip and, uh, and, and approach, uh, approach this situation. And I did that. I left North Carolina and moved up to uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Now, in looking back on everything that went on, during that time, I can say that while it was devastating for me at that moment, that what I was doing and what I was hoping for didn't work out, 
what ended up happening was probably the best thing for me that could have happened. When I was in Boston, I found a, a medical scribing. Um, as a medical scribe, what you do is work directly with physicians, go in uh, to the to the uh, room during the patient encounter, and you help document the actual uh, patient note. So it's a job where, you know, you, you're working with physicians and you're seeing medical care up close and personal day in, day out. And, uh, you know, it was that that job that really gave me even more exposure to medicine. And, uh, you know, I, I was introduced to a lot of physicians who ended up being mentors um, and uh, really, really helped me to develop even further in my understanding uh, and appreciation of medicine and, and, and what I wanted to do uh, as far as a career in medicine. Um, I was able to see, uh, how family practice worked at that time and develop a really, really uh, abiding appreciation for, for family practice and, and things like the patient centered home. Um, and I was also able to see, uh, how emergency medicine works and, uh, and, and get an idea of, of, of what, uh, you know, acute patients uh, and the management of, of acute patients, uh, what, what that looks like. Um, I have to say as well that, you know, during that time I had, you know, other experiences that, uh, you know, that, that, that definitely added to my determination to get into medical school, but, um, not necessarily because they were the most positive, uh, of, of experiences. And in particular, I'm, you know, I remember, uh, one occasion, uh, working an overnight shift, uh, in an emergency department, um, the physician that I'd worked with, uh, on that shift, you know, I'd, I'd worked with him in the past and, you know, he'd always sort of come off as, you know, maybe, maybe not the nicest guy, not the most uh, approachable, um, of physicians. But, uh, unfortunately that night, you know, I saw a side of him that, uh, you know, was just really, really, uh, unbelievable. Um, late at night we had, uh, patient come in and the nurses mentioned that, uh, the patient didn't really uh, seem to uh, have a lot of information about exactly what what uh what her situation was, but she was complaining of pelvic pain. And uh, you know, we walk into this patient's room, and it's a middle-aged uh, uh, black lady, and she's uh, curled up on the stretcher and she's clutching her stomach. And uh, you know, I just remember all of a sudden. You know, as we walked in, the doctor just starts yelling. He starts just going off on her. Why are you here? Why are you in this emergency department? You know, who's your doctor? And, you know, this lady, she didn't know the name of her doctor. Um, and she wasn't really familiar with, you know, exactly what, uh, what she was going through as far as what, what sort of pain she was having. And, you know, I just remember, you know, as this went on, this went on for, you know, for several minutes. And, you know, as the medical scribe, of course, I'm sitting here uh, in front of the patient's chart. And so, you know, I, I bring up her, her, her medical history and I literally just start reading off her, her medical history to the physician. You know, it turned out she'd had surgery uh, two days ago to repair a bicornuate uterus. And she was in the emergency department because she was in acute pain. Uh, probably related to, uh, you know, the surgery that she just had and possible complications. And it became clear pretty quick as I was reading out this information, all of which, by the way, a physician is normally expected to read through before they even see a patient. Uh, it became clear that, you know, while she might not have remembered the name of her physician and she might not be familiar with the technical term uh, for her surgical procedure, she was in the right place. She was exactly where she needed to be. And what she needed was a physician who cared enough and respected her enough to treat her. And I just remember just being, well, it was just shocking at first. 
And, but afterward, it was really, really angry. You know, we, we, like I said, this went on for several minutes with me reading out her, her chart, reading out her medical history to the physician. And after a while, he just sort of, he just sort of sputtered out and, you know, he kind of left the room and he spoke quickly to a, a nurse and, and that, that was it as far as I could see. Um, I don't know whether he handed her off to another physician or exactly how her, her care was handled from that point forward. And, you know, as a medical scribe, you know, I wasn't exactly in a position to, 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 you know, to follow up or make, you know, a lot of noise about what was going on. But, you know, it was, it was really, it was shocking. And I just remember thinking, you know, that level of disrespect that was shown to that patient, it, it, it just, you could not tell me that if she had been a different patient with a different style of communication, that, that she would have received that sort of treatment. And to me, as a, you know, as a black man, I might not be able to change the heart of people like that who would treat a patient that way. But I can, and we can change it by being the doctor and being the person in that situation. And that's how we can change those types of things. And it was that experience that, you know, like I said, I'd already been determined to get into med school, but, you know, this really, really put, uh, it really, really put things into perspective for me and, and lit and really lit a fire underneath uh, me at that time. And I remember after that, you know, I just started looking for any option, any and all options to get myself into medical school. And, you know, in conversations with my dad, you know, one thing that came up was this option of, uh, of going to a Caribbean medical school. Um, those schools tend to have a later application cycle. Uh, and this was, you know, maybe five or six months, um, after, uh, the, my first uh, application cycle. So, you know, actually the timing worked out as far as putting an application in. And, you know, the, the first thing they tell you when you apply to a Caribbean medical school is, you know, you're, you're going to have to travel, you know, you're going to have to go to a foreign country. And like I said, after some of the experiences that I'd seen, you know, I, I was, I would have gone to the, to the, the ends of the earth to make it happen as far as getting into medical school and making my dream, um, come true. And, um, I applied to St. George's university school of medicine and, um, thankfully was accepted, um, and matriculated there the next academic year. I really ended up, uh, I really ended up enjoying, you know, my first two years of medical school. I enjoyed, uh, island life and, um, and I felt that, you know, and look, looking back, I feel like it was really the best environment I could have, uh, asked for to study the basic sciences. Um, but that, that determination that I went into med school with is the same mentality that I've maintained throughout. Um, and it's what helped me to get through the first two years of medical school studying basic sciences um, and get me to the point that I'm at now. At this point, I've uh, just taken uh, my step one exam. Uh, that's the United States Medical Licensing Examination, step one. Um, it's basically the, the, the you know, they, they say it's the biggest exam, you know, in, in, in med school that you're going to take uh, as far as determining your future. Um and you know I'm, I'm happy with my score. And the next step for me is uh, is clinical rotations, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, you know I I hope that in sharing my story, you know more than anything, I think the main point that I want to get across is for you to have dogged determination. And how important that is. Because more than anything, uh, the thing that's made the difference for me has been 
determination to the point that it didn't matter that I was at a terrible high school with people around me saying getting into college, forget about med school, that getting into college is something that, you know, may or may not even happen for me. You know, it didn't matter that, you know, in, 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 in college, even my pre-med advisor was telling me to look elsewhere and, and find another career. It didn't matter that, you know, after bolstering my application, failing to get in, bolstering my application, getting a master's degree, that I didn't get in to med school again. What mattered at the end of the day was my determination to get into medical school and achieve my, my dream. And I think that, especially as black men going through this process, you're not going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of role models. Unless you're in an environment, maybe at a, you know, a hospital associated with an HBCU, you're not going to see a lot of people in the positions that you want to get into who look like you or come from your background, who you can necessarily identify with. And so that means that you have to have that determination. Now, with that said, in this day and age, we've got the internet, we've got social media. There are so many different ways that you can connect with people who may not be in your city, you know, who may not be directly around and you can benefit from the knowledge and wisdom of people all really all across the world. So you can find people, you can find those role models and you may have to piece that role model together. You may have to find, you know, the one person in this specialty that you admire and, and the guy that wrote that book and listen to this podcast, you know, and, and find the inspiration to get you through. Um, but it's possible. I mean, if anything, I think my story shows that it's possible. And so I hope that, um, that by sharing my story, you know, I, I can help to inspire anyone who's listening to this to, 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 to just know that it's, that, that it's possible. And, uh, and, you know, keep your head down, keep putting in the work and, uh, and you will make it. Um, uh, I just want to thank Dr. Dale again for, uh, for having me on, um, Again, my name is Yomi Adeyemi. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at dynamo underscore MD. Uh, and I am a black man in a white coat. Absolutely amazing. Did I not tell you that was going to be a great story? Did I not tell you that was going to be a great story? So many things to take away from it. At the start, I already told you one of my favorite things, which is this whole idea that he never missed a day of practice. And what that really means is not about the practice. It's about the discipline behind the practice. And that's how people become great. That is how people become great. And you take it from sports, you translate it to the field of medicine, the field of business, field of law, field of engineering, field of computer technology. No matter what field, is this idea of always doing what you're supposed to do. My favorite line that he said was, you know, he struggled to get to where he's at now. And he's still going to have an uphill battle. Um, every med student does. You still got to go through residency, right? And then if you want to do fellowship, go through fellowship. It's tough. Right. But I love I love this line. He said it was never a dream denied. It was a dream delayed. <laughs> it was never a dream denied. It was a dream delayed. How good is that? How good is that? And you know me, I'll tell you that did that did joy for my spirit as well, because, pe you know, people look at me like, oh, Dr. Dell's got it together. I did the Today Show a couple weeks ago and people like, oh, Dr. Dell was on the Today Show and. And Dr. Dale's in newspapers and Dr. Dale's all, yeah, this stuff doesn't just happen, right? You don't, you guys don't see what I'm doing at 1 a.m. to make these things happen, right? And you don't see the struggle it takes to how many times you get told no. These things aren't the visible stuff that people see, right? These things are hard. So I run into a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges, a lot of blocks. And that word of wisdom right there that Yomi dropped, it's never a dream denied. It's a dream delayed. This means you have to work for it. That means you have to be patient. That means God knows what God's doing. And when God's ready to reveal it to you is when you're ready to receive it. 
He talks about he wasn't he might not have been ready. He might not have been mature enough. Right. I remember when I was starting a lot of this work, you know, black men, white coast, diverse medicine, et cetera, all these things that I do now. One of my mentors, his name is Darius, guy who discipled me a lot. He said, I was talking about getting into business and doing all this stuff. And and I was so excited about it. He was like, dude, Dale, you're not ready for it. I remember I was offended. I was like, what does he mean I'm not ready for it? I'm a smart kid. I went through med school. I do a, tons of business reading. I can I can understand this. He was like, Dale, you are not ready for this yet. He's like, slow down. Do what you got to do. Mature. Eventually, you'll get there. And goodness, this is probably almost 10 years ago now. This is like nine years ago or something now. And I'm just now starting to get to that point where I feel like, okay, I might be getting ready for this, right? I can take on bigger projects. I can go out there and make a movie now, right? Which is a really big deal, right? But you got to get ready for it. And that's why you have dreams delayed because you got to be ready for it, not dreams denied. And Yomi's story is the perfect example of that. Perfect example of that, you know? Other thing I thought was really cool was he was inspired by the stories his uh, mother would tell him about his grandfather. And parents, I just want you guys to pay attention to that because these stories, the things you tell your children go a long way. You might not even realize it, but as you're telling your, your, your kids these stories, it's really impacting them. It's really influencing them. It can make a big difference in your life. So be mindful of the positivity you, you plant in your child's heart. Be mindful to do that, right? So sometimes it's easy for us to nag and tell negative stories and talk about our colleagues and and do negative things around the kids don't do that your kids are paying attention drop seeds of positivity in them let them think about that let them develop fruit let them develop good things that are going to be valuable years to come right hope you guys enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed it i thought it was amazing uh thanks for listening to the podcast again we are making a film Definitely, definitely, definitely check it out. I'm putting the link below. Click on it. Please back us. Please support us. We would definitely love for you to be a part of this. And on your end, it will be amazing for you to have this as part of your legacy, saying you contributed to something that's impacting so many people for generations to come. I also dropped the Today Show link down below in case if you guys missed it. Make sure you check that out as well. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Yeah.